welcome back to you know what I've been wondering. I am Sarah. I'm Jane. We're here with our wine. Mm-hmm. I've got red. She's got white. Ten days to Christmas. <gasps> so exciting. Yeah. If we mix our wine together, we'd get rosé. Boom rosé. Boom rosé. My favorite. My favorite. I actually haven't had rosé. Actually, I think I have rosé in the fridge right now. Um, but I haven't had rosé in a in a good hot second. I feel like I had it a couple weeks ago, but I don't remember. Did you have it at the one. Christmas party? Yes. <laughs> so oh, that big pop of mine. Yeah, so you had it a little over a week ago. Yeah, I see, did. I feel like it's been multiple weeks, which is a long time without any rosé. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You've waited all this time. Yeah. I still have waiting. died every day waiting, waiting for you. I still can't believe that was on my decade-wrapped Spotify list. <laughs> I was like... Listen to this maybe twice. Like <laughs> I accidentally liked it on Spotify a couple days ago. Wow. Like not even like I was just scrolling through a playlist that somebody else made, and I like my Wi-Fi like froze and I couldn't click it, so I like was just like tapping yeah. for a couple yeah. seconds, and then all of a sudden I just saw like added to like songs and I went, went to see what song it was, and it was that song. It's a good song. Like I'm not disputing the fact that it's a that it's a good song. It just was made for Twilight. Like a lot of the songs that were written for Twilight were really good. Honestly. Yeah, the Twilight soundtracks were fun to listen to. They well, are. I mean, not fun, but yeah, they were they good. Were good. Yeah, they were good. Um, the music was pro- probably the best part of the movies. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the first movie. What? Yeah, I only saw the first one. I saw was one. <laughs> You've what? only what? I only saw the first Twilight movie. But yeah. I feel like it's such an experience. Like the first one. Like, I feel like it, taken out of context of all of everything else, could be, like, this weird indie movie. Mm-hmm. That's, the rest that's of them true. are weird. Because, like, I don't think they... I've seen clips of them. I don't think they expected the first Twilight movie to make as much money as it did. Yeah. Because, like, like, Kristen Stewart has said in interviews, like, the first movie was such an indie thing with a really small budget. And then the rest of them were, like, huge things. Huge productions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I was really into Twilight in middle school, as everyone our age was. And ninth, the movie came out the first movie came out when we were in ninth grade and I remember that was kind of towards the end of it because I didn't like Breaking Dawn and that kind of changed my feelings yeah. about the series and I was starting to be like okay like this is kind of dumb I was starting to read good books <laughs> and I was developing taste and I was like um okay maybe maybe I am over this maybe it's time for me to move on I was becoming interested in other things and I saw the first movie because I was like a seri- movie for a series that I've been obsessed with like all of middle school I was just obsessed with it mm-hmm. and I was like that was weird to watch it was weird <laughs> I didn't love it and I was like mm, I don't need to see the rest uh, <laughs> but I have seen clips of all of them a lot of memes about them mm-hmm. um, so you know I, I feel like I've done my contribution but you have no, I have not seen any of them. Besides we just the have first. to do a marathon but at I, some point, but that's after our Christmas Prince marathon. No, <laughs> honestly, if you made me sit through the three Christmas Prince movies, and even though I've seen the first two, and all the Twilight movies, I think it would be really hard for me at the end to choose which one I hated more, like which one I found stupider. Interesting. They're both so stupid. <laughs> so stupid which speaking of a christmas prince i feel like because we talked about hallmark movies so recently we should talk about what's going on in the news right which which is that people are boycotting hallmark because they pulled zola ads Mm -hmm. with two women kissing in it which is so messed up was it that i mean i haven't seen the commercial that they pulled they pulled the commercial right yeah which is dumb but 
Was it the same ad that like that one about getting married in Vegas or no? No, it's for Zola, which it's is for a, Zola. a wedding planning. Yeah, thing, so it's a planning it thing. No, it was just an ad that featured two women who planned their wedding it, on yeah. Zola and then just showed them getting married, and they pulled it, which is so messed up. Which like is not surprising when we're from the Hallmark Channel because it's like first of all, all of their movies feature a straight white couple. <laughs> It surprises me because a huge portion of young women are liberal and probably are open-minded about these things. So when they exclude, you know, communities that's created a reaction, people are boycotting the Hallmark Channel now. Mm -hmm. And that's going to have a serious effect on them. They can't make 40 movies a year if they're going to be picky like this because people are going to boycott them, as they should. My mom's not going to be happy. I'm going to go home for Christmas and she's going to be like, that's what's some homework. And I'll be like, we can't. And she's going to be like, no. But like, I think Hallmark is also like a huge producer of greeting cards and things like that. And I doubt they're making like greeting cards for same sex weddings, like whatever, you know. I feel like they, but like. They're making wedding cards that are neutral and like. You think? Because if they're going so far as to pull an ad. I feel like. There's a difference between avoiding a section of a card aisle mm, mm-hmm. and avoiding a television channel. Yes, that makes any but sense. also what I, I'm not talking about not buying their cards, but what I am talking about is that like if the Hallmark Channel is getting attention because it pulled this ad, does that mean that we're also going to start looking at whether or not like the rest of the things that they produce are friendly to LGBTQ couples? In which case, I think if we investigated it, I think it would be no. You know, because Hallmark is kind of very much about this, like, kitschy, like, comforting, typical. Yeah. Like, it's about people finding a place where they are comfortable. And yeah. for many, the LGBTQ community is not sit within their comfort level. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that a company that's supposed to promote, like, normalcy and comfort... Um, and, you know, being able to escape into the everyday, sort of making this statement about, like, who gets to be a part of that everyday. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So, that's my thoughts on... I just wanted to bring that up, since we did just cover it. Yeah, and there are other outlets in which to watch your cheesy Christmas movies. You know... Netflix. Um, do you watch Netflix? Holiday calendar. <laughs> I gave you a list. We watched The Night Before Christmas last night. It was... Uneventful, but fine. Uneventful and really a good time. Vanessa uh, Hudgens, great. That guy who played the man did nothing. It was excellent. Like, he didn't need no, to do... No, he just was, like, the... He was just, like, he was nice just, and dumb and simple. Yeah, he was a knight. So he was, like, yeah. ridiculously chivalrous, overly cordial. And you were, like, that's very cute of you, how nice you are. Like, that's what you want. You want... Yeah. Women want... Or women who are interested in men... For the most part, want nice guys, and it was like, great. Here's a nice guy that I can like. You know, it was comforting. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, besides that, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm helping out at Kelsey's Bakery this weekend. Yeah. I mean, this last weekend this week, and I'm doing that in the morning and art my normal job in the afternoon. So. I've been, you know, experiencing that nine to five life that most adults have. Yeah, the shock <laughs> of it, right? <laughs> it's not that, like, it's. I don't feel so exhausted. I just like this is the first weekend in a while that I've been like, I need to rest. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I just did. I just took a nap. She did when I was supposed to be researching. Yeah, but I got done just later than I needed to. <laughs> she did. She took a nap, and I sat there and watched her, and I was like, this is this is nice. <laughs> this is nice for Jane. 
<laughs> I was on, in, on the couch. She wasn't in my room. No. Oh, that's a good <laughs> clarification. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was sitting in Jane's room like, what's going She's on sleeping. here? <laughs> that would be creepy. That would be incredibly creepy. <laughs> you were also doing other things. You weren't just sitting there watching Yeah, I was sleep. watching television. I was watching... <laughs> I was watching Netflix and playing my my farm game. <laughs> Not Farmville, Stardew Valley. Did you ever play Happy Aquarium? No, you probably wouldn't. You don't like fish. Well, were they cartoon fish? Yeah. It's <laughs> fine. I'm not afraid of cartoon fish. <laughs> I'm afraid of all fish, including cartoon fish. No. <laughs> I loved Happy Aquarium. It was like Farmville, except you had an aquarium. That sounds cute. I'd want that with puppies. Aww. Be very, very adorable. The Stardew Valley is just stressful because, like, your day, you played through days and your day runs out and you're like, but I haven't planted all the seeds yet. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta craft stuff. It's really hard. Like, six cows, two goats, two sheep, one pig, four rabbits. No. And a partridge (laughs) in a pear tree. Four ducks, one rabbit. No, four chickens. Two ducks and one rabbit to take care of, too. So, <laughs> plus, I got a kid, I got a dog, I got a husband. It's a hard Five life. Five golden rings. <laughs> Truly. My life in Stardew Valley. <laughs> so, my life's going really well. Do you want to just launch into your segment? I just want to jump on into Kwanzaa. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just said so, that's how I'm doing. I know. So I assumed- <laughs> That was, another, that was another lead-in say, to say that you didn't ask, but I told Listen, you anyway. I feel like sometimes <laughs> our conversation leads there naturally without me having to say the words, how are you, Sarah? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have learned how you are, which is why I forget to ask. I know. No, you absolutely... I, I gave you how I am without you asking me. Exactly. It's just that every week I say, how are you, Jane? So I just don't want our listeners to think that... <laughs> that I'm a rude. Yeah, that you're rude, but it's like, I didn't need it, but... <laughs> that was me that was me doing that bit <laughs> and she didn't need to ask it was fine <laughs> we are getting along fine <laughs> she as she grits her teeth. we love each other we're getting along great <laughs> <laughs> well i'm talking about kwanzaa this week mm-hmm. sarah asked me about it last week uh-huh uh let's start with a couple of misconceptions before Ooh. we get to the the truth, you know, oh, the um, truth it all shall be revealed. Yeah. So uh, Kwanzaa is not a religious holiday, as Ooh. some people believe. Some people think it's an African holiday, and that's technically incorrect. It's more correct to say that it's an African American holiday, although that's still not exactly correct. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Kwanzaa is not a substitute for Christmas. Mm. They're are most likely many people who celebrate both at the same time. Oh. Or neither, you know, whatever. There, There's a misconception that only non-religious people celebrate Kwanzaa. That's not true. You can be Christian and celebrate Kwanzaa or whatever religion and celebrate Kwanzaa. Uh, some people think it's political. And the man who created it, it was definitely open about his political uh points of view he was a major figure in the 1960s movements mm-hmm. of you know black power and civil rights mm-hmm. and all these things so he definitely had political alliances that you know about but the traditions that are celebrated at kwanzaa existed before those political ideas were even really ideas yet 
I finished a bottle of wine. Wow. So it's technically not a political thing, although its founder was a very important political guy. Now, let's talk about that guy. His name was Dr. Maulana Karenga, and he was a professor and chairman of black studies at California State University, Long Beach. Mm. And he created Kwanzaa in 1966. Oh, that's much more recent than I thought it would I know. Be. It's a pretty new invention, mm-hmm. although it's based on a lot of older practices. Okay. But he wanted to start a celebration that could be a way for the African-American community to come together mm-hmm. and have... Why are you lifting weights in the middle of my segment? I just, like, it was here and I felt like I needed to do it. So. <laughs> She's drinking wine while she does reps. Yeah. I'm just going right. to do a couple I'm of I'm trying to teach you about something that seems, you know, important, but whatever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just here and I just get distracted and I need to touch things. Um, oh, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. This is important to me. I'm taking this very seriously. It is. It is. So, yeah, 1966, it's a pretty recent... Yeah. thing that he came up with. Um, if you had said 1969, I would have, like, flipped this keyboard. No, like, three years before. Yeah. <laughs> Which still feels weird to me because, like, 1969 has a lot of multiples of three in it. So, like, this is three years before. It's, like, still oh. connected to me. I don't know. My math brain does those things. So, he founded this cultural organization called US, capital U-S. Mm-hmm. And he started research into different celebrations from Africa known as first fruit celebrations or Mm. harvest celebrations Mm -hmm. and he took a lot of different aspects from a lot of different traditions Mm -hmm. and put them all together Uh, some of those the cultures he took from were the Ashanti people the Zulu people a lot of different cultures in Africa he took their um some uh, ideas or traditions or practices from and he put it all together and to one idea or particular celebration and it came from the Swahili phrase Matunda Ya Kwanzaa which means first fruit okay and the thing about Kwanzaa is that it has a lot of variations like every family might celebrate it a little bit differently Mm -hmm. which I feel like is true of a lot of holidays yeah um and you can really kind of just make it your own. And I think a lot of that does have to do with your particular ancestry. Right. Or how connected you are to your past and your family's past. But the practices that are often in most families include songs, dances, drums, storytelling, poetry reading, and a large traditional meal. Love that. That's very sweet. Yeah, it's fun. Um, Kwanzaa lasts seven nights. Okay. It is December twenty. 5th to January 1st. Okay. Which does align at the same time of Christmas, but I think that's just a coincidence. It's just more of an end of the year thing. Okay. Um, and also just something to give, like, an alternative to Christmas if you want one. Okay. Because I Christianity is something that was kind of, like, you know, put on the people that we brought to this country. Right, of course. So I think having an alternative to, it, mm-hmm. like, the biggest Christian holiday. Mm-hmm. Although some would argue Easter is, but, uh, you know, I was about practice. to say Easter. Uh, <laughs> but to have, like, a way of, like, making that time of year about your culture. Yeah, definitely. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So, like I said, it lasts seven nights. And every night of Kwanzaa, uh, families gather around a candle holder, which is called a kinara. Mm-hmm. And you light one candle. And while you light this candle, you discuss one of the seven principles. And every night you discuss a different mm. of the seven principles. 
The principles are called the Nguzo Saba, which means seven principles in Swahili. Mm -hmm. So they're values of African culture, which contribute to building and reinforcing community Mm -hmm. amongst African Americans. That's very nice. So it is a very American thing. I think to call it African American is... It is technically considered false, but it is more so... An overwhelming majority of it is practiced by African-Americans. But I think you don't have to identify as African-American to celebrate it. I know Mm -hmm. there are a lot of black people who don't identify as African Mm -hmm. based on, you know, their own life experiences. Which is a very popular holiday amongst, like, black communities and within black culture. There was one thing I read that was, like, it's a misconception that only black people can celebrate this holiday. Like, whoever can celebrate this holiday. But it just feels really insensitive for white people to do that. Right. But do you think it would be possible that, like, um, you know, a group of Mexican immigrants would celebrate Kwanzaa, you know? They probably have their own traditions. They probably do. I think it's all about respect, you know? Okay, yeah. And... If you do it in a way that's respectful and celebratory of mm-hmm. the cultures that you are doing the traditions of, mm-hmm. then I think that's okay. But that's probably just very infrequently done. Okay. There are also seven basic symbols which represent values and concepts that are reflective of African culture. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about them later. Okay. All right. There is a Karamu, which is held on December 31st. That is not one of the symbols. Okay. That is a... Uh, African feast that is, uh, you know, just lots eaten with lots of people you love. The first night, the black candle in the center is lit, like I just said. Um, and this candle is meant to represent the principle of umoja, which means unity. Okay. And on the first night, um, that is the principle that is discussed in it. Like I said, every night of the seven nights, a different principle is discussed. Now let's talk about these principles. They were all thought of by again Dr. Malana Karenga who came up with this whole thing mm-hmm. um, cool guy and the first night they talk about as I said umoja which means unity and the idea is quote to strive for and maintain unity in the family community nation and race that's nice Yeah. so that is the first night the second night they discuss kujichagulia mm-hmm which means self-determination, uh, meaning to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. Oh, I like that. Yes. Which I'm tempted to say, when I say ourselves, I feel like I should be saying themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm not a part of that community. Yeah, you're not participating in this yes. tradition. Yes. Yes, I respect it very greatly, but I'm not trying to pretend that I am part of it. Mm-hmm. The third night, they discuss the principle of Ujima, which means collective work and responsibility which is to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters' problems our problems and solve them together. Oh, I like that. Which I think is a principle that many different ways of thinking and religions share, the idea of care for others like you'd want. Mm -hmm. Like, think of other people's problems as your own problems, you know? Yeah. Christianity, Um, it's the whole neighbor thing. Yeah. Uh, On the fourth night, they discuss um, Ujama which is cooperative economics. Mm -hmm. And that is to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. So I do think it is a very, it's a principle that's very specific to Africans in America Mm -hmm. and people of African ancestry in America. Yeah. Uh, It's not just like general, like people around the world because you are talking about 
like how to be a community in this new country. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, the next night they discuss Nia, which means purpose. And that is to make our collective vocation the building and development of our community in order to restore our people to their traditional greatness. Oh. Super nice. The next night, they discuss Kuumba. K-U-U-M-N-B-A. Nope, there's no N. Um, K-U-U-M-B-A. Mm-hmm. And that is to do as much as we can in any way we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. Aww. It means creativity. Aww. Which, you never think about creativity and just, like, caring for the world around you as being the same thing. Yeah. But... This way of thinking of it is really cool because it's a way of like looking at the world around you and finding a way to make it more beautiful and more yeah. healthy. And it's something that we and, should all be talking yeah, about. Yeah, and sometimes finding a solution, you have to be creative to exactly. find a solution to the world's problems. For exactly. sure. Exactly. And the final principle that is discussed on the seventh night is Imani, which means faith. And that is to believe with all our heart in our people, our parents, our teachers, our leaders, and the righteousness and the victory of our struggle. Mm. Which, I like that it's faith, but it's not necessarily a religious faith. Yeah. The seven symbols that I mentioned earlier are mazao, which means the crops, which is fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and that symbolizes work and the basis of the holiday. Mekeka, mm-hmm. um, which is, it means placemat. All of these are Swahili words. And the placemat is a traditional object that is made from straw or cloth, uh, and it comes directly from african tradition and expresses history culture and tradition and it symbolizes the historical and traditional foundation for us to stand on and build our mm-hmm. lives because today stands on our yesterdays just as other symbols stand on the makeka which i think the ceremonial objects are often placed on the makeka mm-hmm. the next symbol is the ear of corn or the vibunzi um and the stalk of corn represents the fertility and symbolizes that through the reproduction of children, the future hopes of families are brought to life. Aww, that's so So lovely. all of these are just like nice ideas in general. Yeah. Um, the seven candles are called the um, Mishumasaba. Um, and they are the ceremonial objects mm-hmm. with two primary purposes to recreate symbolically the sun's power and to literally provide light. Um, they are the candles that are put in the Kinara. And the Kinara is the candle holder. It is the center of the Kwanzaa setting and represents the original stock from which we came, our ancestry. Because if you look at it, it like does kind of look like roots. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kikombe Cha Umoja is the unity cup. And it is a special cup that is used to perform the libation Tambiku, tambiko ritual mm-hmm. uh, during the Karamu feast on the sixth day of Kwanzaa. And in many African societies, libations are poured for the living dead whose souls stay with the earth which they tilled. Oh. So that is to recognize that particular custom. It's a ceremonial cup yeah. that you often have at the Karamu, which I already said. And finally, the last object of importance, the symbol is Zawadi, which is gifts. Mm-hmm. And gifts are exchanged like they are on many holidays, but I, these gifts have very specific um, meanings, meaning and significance. Um, they are exchanged to promote rewards for accomplishments and commitments kept. Mm-hmm. 
handmade gifts are encouraged to promote and encourage self-determination purpose and creativity and to avoid the chaos and shopping and consumption during the december holiday season (laughs) (laughs) so it's really like it's like we do exchange gifts but it's less for commercial meaning or self-gratification it's to acknowledge hard work that is done yeah that's important yeah which i think is really cool that is very cool so that is what i got on kwanzaa thank you it seems like a cool celebration yeah thank you for explaining that because i feel like at some point i learned it's like at the holiday time you have christmas and you have hanukkah and you have kwanzaa but like because we live in a christian normative society like it's mm-hmm. like they all i think i was taught not that they all do mean the same but i was never taught to differentiate them as like they're different meanings within different cultures and religions so it's like you i realized like a few years ago like i have this assumption that all the holidays around this time all have the same meaning to people it's like but they don't well it's like hanukkah is a nice holiday but it's not the ma- it's, it's not a it's major not jewish christmas it's not as important of a holiday but because it's the same time and yeah. it's such overshadowed it's so overshadowed by christmas right that it's like everybody's like oh yeah that's the jewish christmas we'll give it the same importance when there are jewish holidays that are much greater in significance yeah definitely definitely um and i do feel like there was sort of an idea when we were growing up of like these are the three holidays choose one yeah and you can be christian and celebrate kwanzaa you don't have to be christian and celebrate kwanzaa yeah it's not a religious thing it's more of a cultural thing yeah so that was good to know yeah i learned a lot thank you of course so useful so are you gonna hit me up with a Reddit segment? I am. <laughs> Jane's been like giggling at her computer about this. So. I thought of this idea last week. We met up and saw the movie Dojo Rabbit, and this is unrelated to that. But while I was sitting in the lobby waiting for Sarah, this genius idea hit me. Oh, that's what you were doing in the lobby? <laughs> that's really funny. Well, you gave me a quiz on movies last week. Mm-hmm. And they were holiday related. And it's still sort of like this is going to come out closer to Christmas. But this isn't holiday related at all. Oh. <laughs> but is sort of related to a movie quiz. And what am I really knowledgeable of? DCOM? Yes. No. <laughs> You're not going to give me a DCOM quiz okay, right now. Okay, it's not going to be exactly like you think it is. I'm going, okay, I have ten movie titles and movie descriptions here. And I have to match them? No. Oh. Five of them, I made up the title. <gasps> Five of them are real decoms. No! <laughs> this is a good game. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Literally last night, BuzzFeed, an ad for BuzzFeed on Facebook, gave me a pick a, a decom from each genre and will tell you exactly <laughs> how old you are. And I was like, I can do this. And I opened it up in the first category, which I didn't remember what it was. I didn't know a single movie. I was like, this, is, this wasn't made for me. And I passed my phone off to Jane. I knew everyone. But I was like, I kept being like, oh, this one, this one. But then I realized, like, Jane, stop talking. She might hear titles you're saying out loud, and that might mess up the game tomorrow. <laughs> so, oh my ignore god. anything I said yesterday. That's why you were doing that? Oh, my God. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's just do it. Let's just go for it. Okay. So, the first movie title I have is Lion Cruise. And that is a 2004 movie starring Hayden Panettiere. <laughs> 
And the plot summary is, Maddie Dolan accepts her father's offer to participate in Operation Lion, a week-long cruise for military families and friends aboard an aircraft carrier. While she is on the cruise, 9-11 occurs. This isn't a real movie. There's... Wait, 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 wait. Is that the one that's the sequel? The unofficial sequel to the other movie? I feel like you've made up... You're thinking about Jump Ship, which is the sequel to Horse Sense. (laughs) Horse Sense. Now, you did tell me that recently that there is a decom in which Hayden Penetier is on a mission. I was doing something and not 11 occurs, but I don't think it was called Lion Cruise. I'm going to say that it's not a a real title. No, the real title is Tiger Cruise. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought it was going to be totally different. Tiger Cruise. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you kept the real plot description. Yes, just I just changed the title. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, that's... Maybe. Maybe I made some of these up. Is that Reddit segment just going to become game time? Because I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Unless we find a really good Reddit segment, I feel like it lets... Let's just do some more games. More games. More games. (laughs) Then you guys can play at home. Yeah. Of course, play a lot. Okay, so this next title is A Ring of Endless Light. 2002 movie based on a novel by Madeline Langle. Vicky Austin and her younger siblings go to visit their grandfather on Seven Bay Island. Vicky bonds with her grandfather, who encourages her to pursue her love of poetry, despite her parents wanting her to be a scientist. She has to care for her grandfather after discovering that he has leukemia. Also, she learns she can communicate with dolphins. Oh my gosh. Okay, see, I feel like I, I feel like a ring of endless light. There is a, a Madeline Langle book. It's a uh, blank of endless light. But I don't remember for sure. I'm going to say that this is a real movie title. It is. Curse you and your literary knowledge. I only know that because of literary knowledge, not because I've seen this movie. Guys, did you know Sarah can read? Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> I still haven't watched A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, okay, okay, so this next one is Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. It came out in 2003. Eddie is a teenage boy who learns he has a talent and passion for cooking. Unfortunately, his father is very old-fashioned and wants him to stick to baseball. I'm going to say this is real. Is it real? Yes. yes. I thought really hard about changing it to Eddie's billion dollar cook-off. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, that's so much money. Yeah. Because he enters a cooking competition. I think the prize is like, I don't think it's like a million actually, dollars. I think it might be a scholarship to a culinary school. That's not a million dollars. It's definitely not. All right. This next one. So far, you're three for three. Surf Girls. Came out in the year 2000. Sydney, her father and stepmother, visit a Hawaiian island after Sydney's great aunt dies and leaves her a derelict Hawaiian plantation. Her father, <laughs> her father wants to turn it into a, <laughs> into a resort. This could be real. That's the problem. <laughs> but Sydney befriends local kids who help her learn the island's cultures and teach her to surf, despite her father forbidding it since surfing caused the death of her mother. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Footloose. Uh, <laughs> except, why does the guy not like dancing? Does it's because like, some kids went to a dance and they they like got drunk, drunk and he and they killed they, they killed and they got in an yeah, accident. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, yeah. God blame alcohol, not dancing. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, I'm gonna say that this is not the real title. <laughs> you are correct. I made up Surf Girls. It's really called Rip Girls. Ah! <laughs> why is there a movie about that? Oh my god, it's, it's like, really dramatic. So many like, of these, I was like that. 
But it's like every plot point, it's like this character who owns a vineyard, whose father <laughs> was a miner, like whose sister killed her, <laughs> killed her mother. Like, oh my God. All right. This next film. Yeah. It's a Christmas film. Wow. It's called The Best Christmas Present. And it's about two teenage girls who find and steal Santa's weather machine to make it snow in Los Angeles on Christmas. No, this movie is not called The Best Christmas Present. It's called, like... I feel like it's not called The Best Christmas Present because I've heard you talk about this and it had a longer title. So I'm going to say, no, that's not its title. It's called something else. It's the ultimate the Christmas, Christmas present. present. <laughs> Starring Brenda Song... And Hallie Hirsch, who you may know from Flight 29 Down. I did not watch bit. Flight 29 Down. I watched you watch Flight 29 Down. Jane at one point was like, I'm going to watch Flight 29 Down. And the only way she could find it was on YouTube. But it was like, instead of it being full screen, it had this big, thick, blue border around it. And then the, the screen was so small in the middle. And she sat there and she watched it. I should have gotten like binoculars. You should have. I'm shocked it's not on Disney+. Plus. Was it a Disney show? No, it was oh. on Discovery Kids. Lame. <laughs> so was, did you ever watch Strange Days at Blake Holsey High? No. <sighs> All right, this next movie is called Motocrossed. This is a real movie. No, it's called Mo- Motocrossed. No, it's called Motocrossed. It is? All right, yeah. no, I know this is a real one, but please read the description. Andrea Carson loves to ride motocross, but her father wants her to stick to cheerleading because she's a girl. <laughs> when her twin brother breaks his leg, she cuts her hair and disguises herself as him so she can compete for him. She's the man. <laughs> yeah, the movie fact. is a loose adaptation of William Shakespeare's Twelfth, Twelfth Night. Night. Oh, yeah. it's another Twelfth Night. Okay, I yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. But with motorcycles. Uh. <laughs> yes, I did know that was a real one. All right, this next one is a, a 2001 movie. Um, called When Jay Met Camille. And it is about a 13-year-old boy named Jay who breaks into his bully's house to steal back a project that had been stolen from him. But he accidentally sets free Camille, his bully's fluffy white show dog, who terrorizes him when her meds wear off. (laughs) I don't... I have no clue. I'm going to say this is fake. (laughs) The movie itself is 100% real, but it is called Hounded. (laughs) This is a movie? <laughs> I was like, what was the plot of Hounded? I only remember it was Ali and AJ's little brother. I mean, oh not Ali and AJ. Tia and Tamara. <laughs> my bad. I'm so sorry. Weird. It's a good movie, though. I remember being like, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. This next movie is called The Poof Point. It came out in 2001. When two scientists create a machine that reverses aging, they accidentally use it on themselves. When their teenage kids discover that their parents are young again, they are thrilled because they can throw parties and do whatever they want until they realize their parents are going to continue rapidly aging backwards until they cease to exist. The teens must save their parents' lives. This is a real one, and it is called The Poof Point. Correct. Yes. I was like, she's going to remember this one. I'll throw her a bone. Yeah, she, uh, yeah. I I've not watched it. I haven't watched it, but you talked about I it. I talked about it recently because it's so absurd. All of these are absurd. Stop Jane, it! Did you hear the one about the island with a vineyard? No, 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 no. It was a, it was a Hawaiian plantation. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a plantation, but what is Hawaii? An, An island. island. Okay, I'm so sorry. All right, this next one is called Me Too, spelled Me T W O. Came out in 2000, starring Andrew Lawrence, the youngest Lawrence brother, and this is about a kid who accidentally clones himself. 
No, I feel like this one is. I feel like if this one isn't called Me Too, it's one of the other <laughs> twin ones. Because when we talked about twin movies or movies with two people in it, you didn't bring this up. Well, this one's tricky because it, the movie itself was actually called The Other Me, but it's based on a book called Me Too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, and your 10th and final movie. I'm t- I had too much wine to count how many of each I've had. So, of how many of each I've done. It's five <laughs> I can and five. I can tell you, I can tell you. It is five and five. You're correct. Um, <laughs> is the 13th year. This is a real movie, the 13th year. Do you get, do you grow his fins? <laughs> Deviates. But let me tell you, here's, here's what I wrote down. I was like, I'm going to get her to think this movie is fake. Because these, this is the 100% real description I wrote of this movie. Every detail in this description is real. Starring Chez Starbuck, this movie is about a teenage boy who discovers his birth mother is a mermaid, and when he turns 13, he starts turning into one himself. His adopted father is played by Joey from Full House. (laughs) I hate you. Uh, (laughs) There was a couple of other, like, things that I was like, I should mention this casting, because, like, A Ring of Endless Light had Misha Barton in it. And her love interest was the kid from Smart House and Luck of the Irish. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know so much about decom casting, you guys. It's so much knowledge that's just filling my brain that you doesn't need to much. be. You eh, Too much. I don't know. I think it's fine, you know? Oh, my gosh. Like I think my brain is, an, is a bottomless chasm that, to fill with like, information. It, and like, whatever this one corner is filled with this you know doesn't but matter. also like these plot descriptions are insane i'm not saying they're quality films i'm just saying i remember every detail of them and i found joy watching them when i was younger and maybe i'll watch them again all the time you never know no 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 yeah. the last what was the last decom i actually watched well it was xenon it was xenon we watched xenon the other night on disney we watched go figure after xenon we did yes are you sure yes we watched go figure and ice princess after xenon Two iconic films, by the way. <laughs> All right, well, this is going to be my game every week from now on. Um, About tea cups? <laughs> I have a retaliation. Oh, is it going to be, like, novels? No, I have a retaliation. Not that I don't read. Oh my god, I make myself sound illiterate. <laughs> no, no, it's still about decoms. I found a fi- I found a five question decom quote quiz that we're gonna do right now. <gasps> you have to fill in the blanks on these quotes. The thing is, I'm not good at the ones that came out like very recently. Like Zap, I know what it's about, but I don't. I've never seen it. This is a fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste my summer in some camp! Exclamation point! I'm blank for crying out loud. I'm Shane Gray for, for crying, crying out, out loud. Haven't seen Camp Rock. All right. <laughs> we need to save our show from people who don't know the difference between a Tony Award and blank. And Tony Hawk. Sharpay High School Musical. Um, if he can't respect my blank, he can't have my heart. I want to say music, but no, 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 no. Hold the on. The options are style, art, or decisions. <gasps> art it's art it's from cheetah girls you are correct i can hear raven saying it yeah why don't we talk about how it is illegal to drive without blank to the option a brain a license eyeballs i can see i feel like gift. maybe it's eyeballs and it's from halloween town you are correct yeah <laughs> so I'm, much useless knowledge that i got in my brain <laughs> A normal dad would go to a foreign country on a secret mission and bring his daughter back a t-shirt, not a blank. Person, whole country, cat. Person. Princess Protection Program. 
You're correct. Demi Lovato, Selena Five Gomez. for five. Congratulations. Amazing. You still hold the title as the best, most knowledgeable woman about DCOMs there is. So... <laughs> I'm glad we can take this time to talk about this important issue. Yes. <laughs> so let us continue into the wrap up of a decade. Here. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Music. <laughs> this is where I feel like I, I don't pay attention to pop culture. Because I'm just not good at um, staying. So I'm for music. music, Rolling Stone posted this art this like listicle of, of like influential moments in the music industry from the last 10 years and i'm just yeah. gonna go through what some of them are in 2010 the beatles put their music on itunes which mm. ended their digital boycott rebecca black's friday came out this year <laughs> which you can't ignore the impact of friday friday you just can't um spotify landed on the u.s in july 2011 call me maybe went viral several times <laughs> <laughs> In 2012, Coachella used a hologram of Tupac, oh um, and that gosh. set off a pop that set off the popular use of holograms in concerts, but also was like an important homage. Gangnam Style opened the U.S. to the world of K-pop. Mm. Again, they brought it up the impact of Let It Go, um, <laughs> which Good. like I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, Disney Music Group president Ken Buck told Rolling Stone that while the company never planned for Frozen songs to be a phenomenon, that they knew it had a special film with incredible music that was emotional on its hands. Oh. Um, Beyonce released two albums by surprise. <laughs> never forget. <laughs> Shawn Mendes became a global superstar from doing six-second covers of Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran songs. I love Shawn Mendes. I know you do. The Kesha Dr. Luce case challenged um, the industry and how we treat female pop stars. Yeah. I watched, this is dark, but okay. I watched the Surviving R. Kelly documentary oh, on Netflix the other day. Oh my gosh. I'm sure that was dark. Yeah. That's how I felt watching um, Finding Neverland. Ugh. Not Finding Neverland. Finding. Um, An escaping Neverland? Escaping Neverland. Leaving, leaving Never- Neverland. Yeah, leaving. Finding Neverland is the movie about uh, Peter Pan. I just, I, I, I know that both of those musicians are so influential and mean yes. a lot to so many people in a way that they can't ever to me as a white person. Yeah. Even though I do enjoy Michael Jackson's music. Yeah. Um, and that's hard because but you're it's right. It's just like, I can't forgive what they've done. It's, it's hard because it is like, it feels like ignoring Michael Jackson is ignoring the deeply rooted influence it has had on black music and the black community, yeah. which is hard to do because you don't want to, negate like that influence and the importance of the entrance of black music into the music vernacular absolutely but (laughs) it's it's you're right it's insane with r kelly like it's an it's this impossible line it really is yeah it's it's really tragic i feel like it's more harder to discuss with michael jackson like michael jackson i understand people being um, l- more hesitant to like write him off of musical history because he was so influential. It's yeah, and his music, some of the most popular yeah. music. But in the world. R. Kelly, like, I think we could stop listening to R. Kelly. I'm fine with stop fine. listening to R. because, R. Kelly. especially because, yes, maybe R. Kelly was important at a certain point, but we have so many other like yeah. men, black men, who have a really defined impact on the hip hop and rap yeah. industry that we can look to. That we don't need him anymore. Yeah. Whereas Michael Jackson, it's like, 
ignoring Michael Jackson is almost like ignoring the Beatles. Like, yeah. can you not? Probably not, you know? Yeah. As far as, I was reading this but article that was like. even the Beatles took a lot from black culture also. Right. But I was reading this article that was like, like, you can't ignore Michael Jackson because there's not a song that has been made in the last 20 years that has not been influenced by Michael yeah. Jackson. Like, he truly changed music as it is. So I, yeah. it's it's this like it, uh, it's so hard it's so hard it really is anyway um, Taylor <laughs> it's a larger Swift, discussion <laughs> Taylor Swift um, went to war with music streaming and mm. was very vocal about thinking that if artists are going to be streamed that they need to be paid for it which yeah. is a super important change to streaming that happened in the mid 2010s mm-hmm. Empire a hip hop dynasty drama became the TV like sensation of the year mm. which no one thought would happen um, but it did. James Corden and Mariah Carey debuted car car- Carpool Karaoke, um, which began an uh, Emmy-winning series. Apple created Apple Music. Spotify started Discover, Discover Weekly, which really invented, like, the idea of playlistomania is what they mm-hmm. call it. And that, like, music could be defined by playlists and groups of music that go together as opposed to defined albums by yeah. one artist. Which all I listen to is playlists. I really listen to an album. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that. I did not know this happened. Album, the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, changed all global music releases to Fridays. Oh. It used to be a different day. And then they so were like, no, 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 we're all going to release them all on Fridays now because that's when people get their paychecks. So people will be more willing to buy oh. the album the day it comes out. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. There were several terror attacks during concert this year, during concerts in the mm. last decade, um, which changed people's conceptions about concert safety. A musical about Alexander Hamilton makes a record-breaking <laughs> chart debut, which, you know, Hamilton, big impact on the world. Prince died, and he left mm-hmm. behind a legal tangle over the rights <laughs> to his songs. Streaming it was officially welcomed as a way to release music, particularly with the releasing of Chance the Rapper's coloring book, which was never mm. released to digital. Uh, it was only available versus with streaming, and it won many Grammy awards, and it was the first album to do so. Oh, Despacito was the first, um, the first song to hit number one without having any words of English in it. Streaming became the revenue leader of the U.S. music industry. Mm-hmm. Fire Festival failed. <laughs> We cannot, we cannot forget. Oh, a, Ve- a Las Vegas residency became the new stadium tour. So mm-hmm. now it's considered to be like Britney Spears and Lady Gaga have a lot of residencies in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for performances. A very big deal. Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. Beyonce and J Balvin remade Coachella. <laughs> There's the, uh, the, it brings up the R. Kelly and I don't know how to say his name, like Extination. It's like the XXX Tenation. I don't know. He's a rapper. He was a rapper who died, but he was convicted of spousal abuse. Mm. Um, and it's like that question became yeah. more prevalent. Cardi B was the first female rapper to score two number one hits. A, a cart- I love this one. A cartoon fish reunites America. Do you know who the cartoon fish is? No. Baby shark. Reunites America. I knew there was my like high school theater group used to do a very similar version of that song as like a warm up. Oh yeah, that was um a um song we sang at Girl Scout camp. Yeah, like all the time. 
It's nothing new, kids. Um, Old Town Road happened. <laughs> it's like, that's it. It happened. Here we go. One you'll love. BTS blew up Good Morning America. <laughs> um, Like the volcanoes in Antarctica. Truly. And finally, there's the current battle over the rights to Taylor Swift's music mm-hmm. and who owns Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift fighting to own her own music um, to end the decade. So those were some influential moments in music according to Rolling Stones. And I also have the best songs from Time specifically. I did not go into best album. It felt like too much. <laughs> um, but I thought their, their best songs me a were lot. interesting. I appreciate it. I do thought the, the, the best songs were interesting. Um, Robin's Dancing on My Own. Oh, I love that song. Sky Ferreira's Everything is Embarrassing. I do not know that song. I know that song. Luke James's I Want You. Um, my favorite song, one of my favorite songs, Taylor Swift's All Too Well, which I absolutely agree is her best song. Hospitality's I Miss Your Bones. Paramore's Ain't It Fun. Dirk Bentley's Drunk on a Plane. Khalid's Young, Dumb, and Broke. And Little Nas X's Old Town Road. <laughs> Um, I didn't. I didn't do albums. I thought we could maybe have a brief discussion on albums. I think influential albums for me this decade would be Lord's Melodrama. Mm-hmm. NME did say that they think Melodrama is the best album of the decade, which I was like, yay, mm-hmm. women album. Um, Kesha's Kesha. Rainbow <laughs> album I thought was a phenomenal album this year. Um, everything Lady Gaga releases, but also Joanne was yeah hugely influential frank ocean's album had a really huge blonde had a really big impact there was a lot of really good music this yeah, decade i mean was. obviously like the mumford and sons albums that came out this decade are probably my favorite <laughs> but like objectively speaking like albums that like did some stuff yeah you know did some things for people of course of course of course Oh, also BTS. Like, I don't think we can... I think we can't talk about music if we don't talk about the impact of BTS. <laughs> we went to the BT21 store in Times I, Square last night on our way home from a thing. I was so and- overwhelmed. <laughs> I was like, wow, I want everything in this store. But it's true. Like, considering how small they were when they started, and I didn't really realize how many people knew BTS and loved BTS until I started talking about it yeah. with other people and not, like, cowering it's insane. at home pretending. But then I was like, oh, no. They're, they're huge. Pretending. They're huge. You know? They are. So they really are. thank you, BTS, for your contribution to this decade. I was probably so annoying in the store last night. I feel like you and Kelsey were both really excited about the products. And I was excited about the products, too. But I was also just, like, singing along to the music. Oh, no, you were fine. And also, I don't speak Korean or anything. So most of the time, me singing along is just me going, like, like, mumbling. We're going to shift to pop culture. Ooh. This is going to be a long segment. I'm sorry. I'm trying to... I'm trying you got to, a decade. I'm telling you. To go through. It was a lot. Pop culture. Um, Lady Gaga's meat dress. Ooh. Never forget. Um, zombies became a really big deal with the start <laughs> of The Walking Dead, which premiered in October 2010. Mm-hmm. William and Kate's royal wedding. Mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian's 72-day marriage. <laughs> the end of Harry Potter. Harry, Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out in 2011. Um, what's called prestige television, which really started with Game of Thrones, which did start in 2011. So it okay. was a thing of this decade. Um, but this idea that like HBO was for, was like a prestigious form mm-hmm. of television because it had shows like Game of Thrones on it. Jennifer Lawrence's general success. <laughs> um, 
the emergence of superheroes everywhere. <laughs> Miley Cyrus at the VMAs <laughs> in 2013 when she performed, when she ruined her Hannah Montana M- oh, image yeah. and started performing bangers. Um, that's <laughs> the one where she wore the nude two-piece and started twerking with Robin Thicke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ellen's selfie from the 2014 Academy Awards. Oh, my God. Um, the ending of Blockbuster and Video Stores. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. Wow. Um, another mention for Hamilton. This they call the prideful capital just because there was a lot of proge- progress for the LGBTQ community. Um, and the the photo is of the rainbow being projected onto the White House in 2015. Oh, yeah. Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. Um, the re-release of Star Wars episode and the re-beginnings of the Star Wars franchise with episode seven. The kneeling protests at football games. Yes. The famous Oscar mix-up um, with La La Land and Moonlight. Gender reveal parties and what a disaster they are. I mean, I don't like those. I don't need them. Yeah. The Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan's royal wedding. Mm-hmm. And the college admission scandal <laughs> featuring Lauren Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. Those are most influential pop culture moments yeah. of 2019. Um, now we're going to get into some sadder things. Oh, no. Is this pop- the in memoriam section? A little bit. Um, these are important political events oh, that happened okay, okay. in the last decade. <laughs> um, and then we will do the in memoriam. I was going to say, is Cindy Lauper about to start singing True Colors or something? Or- <laughs> no, I'm going to put <laughs> I'm going to put sad music over this next part. All right, here we go. Um, well, important political events. Yeah. The death of Nelson Mandela in 2013. Mm-hmm. The ousting of Omar al-Bashir this year. Mm. Um, the Affordable Care Act in 2010. Occupy Wall Street, which began September 2011. Ober- Obergefell versus Hodges in 2015, which legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states. I did not know what the court case was called, mm. but that's what it was called. Um the election of Justin Trudeau in 2015 and 2019. Um, the 2016 presidential election. Hmm. The death of Fidel Castro in 2016. The death of Kim Jong-il in 2011. North Korea's nuclear weapons plan, which was first drafted in 2011. The 2019 Hong Kong protests. The meeting between Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin this year. Pa- the papal inauguration of Pope Francis in 2013. The death guy. of Margaret Thatcher. And the... The Paris Agreement and Brexit. Mm. Important political events of this decade. Don't you feel great? <laughs> yes, I would agree. I was like, I don't feel positive about any of these except for the legalization of same-sex marriage. Like, yeah. And I, I guess the Affordable Care Act was like an important stepping stone. Um, yeah. The rest of these don't make me feel great. <laughs> no. Um, now this is the immemorium part. <laughs> I feel like I have to talk about tragedies that happened. Yeah. just like like you can't wrap up the decade being like everything was great like, <laughs> like that, that titanic was... cartoon that's like and they all lived happily ever after oh no, my they God. didn't <laughs> there is a there is a ripoff titanic animated film in which none of the main characters die and it takes place on the titanic it doesn't make any sense it makes me so angry oh my god um no this is the in memoriam segment yes i'm going to talk about sad stuff so trigger warning for terrorism uh i don't mention suicide but like death destruction all that mm-hmm. stuff um the ethiopian flight of flight 409 the malaysia the missing malaysia airlines flight 370 which like where is it what 
<laughs> well, you have to talk about this later. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? Um, the Tam Luang cave rescue. That's when they rescued the soccer team, which Amy Poehler has a great interview about on Seth Meyers. If you that want is more an amazing story. Yeah, crazy story. Um, the National Museum of Brazil caught on fire, which did not get enough media attention, so I'm going to talk about it right now. Last year, last September, the National Museum of Brazil caught on fire. It is the largest collection of South American anthropological artifacts, and they lost 90% of the collection, and it did not make it into the American news. 90% of their collection. That's how little we value South American mm-hmm. history and artifacts. 90% of Brazil's collection was lost in a fire that's unbelievable unbelievable i only knew about that because my little who was an anthropology major told me about it because she was like very upset about it as you would be if you were an anthropologist mm-hmm. all right oh my gosh that's awful the notre dame paris fire mm-hmm. deep water horizon oil spill fukushima the flint water crisis the haiti earthquake the chile earthquake tohoku earthquake and tsunami which was that first big one in japan in 2011 Mm-hmm. The Nepal earthquakes, Hurricane Sandy, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, oh her, and Hurricane Maria. The Boston Marathon bombing, Sandy Hook, amongst countless others. Um, the November 2015 Paris attacks, the bombing in Brussels, the Orlando nightclub shooting, the Baghdad bombings, the LA shooting, the Westminster attack, the Manchester Arena bombing, Christchurch mosque shooting, the Sri Lanka Easter bombings, and the El Paso shooting. Ugh. So to all of you out there who uh, I need to look know at some someone or was affected by any of these tragic events, like, we see you. We see what you've gone through in this decade. Like, thank you for trucking through it. You know? It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. sad world. Um, I'm going to end with the New York Times 33 Ways to Remember the 2010s. And I'm not going to read all 33. Okay. This is just what they want us to remember. Um, spandex <laughs> became hugely popular after, with the emergence of superheroes. Oh, I thought you were going to say with as- athleisure. No. <laughs> yeah, we just loved athleisure. Um, gay culture owned America. Um, Moonlight won the Oscar for Best Picture in 2017, the year after Carol was a six-time nominee. Will and Grace returned, and we they remade Queer Eye. Hugely that's one yeah. of the best television shows of this decade, Queer Eye, the new Queer Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Ocean happened. Um, and Billy Porter became the first openly gay man to win the Best Actor Emmy for his exclamatory work on Pose. So, important. Yes, very much so. The duck face happened. <laughs> um, Beyonce did her surprise drop of her album, which coined the term Pull of Beyonce. Um, and then she did it again <laughs> three years later with Lemonade. Um, which was accompanied by an hour-long film that debuted on HBO and kind of changed the way we view music videos. Yeah. Video and music as a partnership. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so gorgeous. It really is. Um, The most influential architecture of the decade wasn't a building. It was the High Line. Oh. Um, And it changed the way architects view outdoor spaces, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. And it is the most visited... um, piece of architecture in new york now i need i haven't been to it yet it's so pretty it's just like you just walk up and down it and it's really Mm. relaxing and there's lots of greenery it's nice it's really really nice um just like dance in general really changed like we had the harlem shake like twerking a lot of new forms of dance were invented and the way people dance really changed Mm -hmm. i guess you could say that about every decade but like 
just a lot happened yeah. with dance. <laughs> True crime. I'm shocked this is the first article to mention this. True crime became like a pastime and like a hobby. Like it was just everywhere. And like popular television shows like The Jinx and Making a Murder um, all and People versus O.J. Simpson allowed people to access crime and true crime in a really different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our fascination with crime has definitely increased over the last decade, which I definitely agree with. I also watched The Jinx pretty recently, and I was like, are oh you kidding god. me? <laughs> the best documentary ever made. <laughs> oh my god, so crazy. Um, Hollywood got a little less male, and this article mentions... A little less. Yeah. This article mentions that this decade did start with um, Catherine Bigelow win- winning the Academy Award for Best Director for The Hurt Locker on March mm-hmm. 7th, 2010. Um, she was the first woman to win this award, I believe. Is the only woman, yeah, she's the only woman to win Best Director. Um, uh, but in the decades since, women have, quote, forced the industry towards a great reckoning, which I think is really nice. And then I love this. The writer of the article wrote, thank you, so thank you, among many, many others, and then listed, like, the most influential women in the media industry. So he talks about, like, he mentions, like, Elizabeth Moss, um, Charlize Theron, Gwyneth Paltrow like he just lists a bunch of women and it was like really sweet and made me really emotional who did like incredible things of all age like women of all ages in this decade and that made me really emotional um (laughs) the Oscars got slightly less white (laughs) there's still a lot to go um but he does mention that the importance of the Oscar attention for Moonlight Black Panther Black Klansman Roma Fences and Get Out Mm. um Again, they mentioned Hamilton, which, like, somebody please mention Town or Great Comet. Like, please. <laughs> That's another category that, like, I, I must say that my favorite musicals, for the most part, didn't come from this decade. But I think my favorites from this decade were, like, still, like, I think yeah. Great Comet did so much. One of my favorites of all time, but for also from this decade. Fun Home, like, hugely influential musical. Of course. For, like, the gay community, women, like. Just did, it just did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, fun home. And honestly, like Spongebob, one of my favorite shows of the last <laughs> 10 years. Like probably in my top three. And I, I know. I feel like every time I mention that to someone who like didn't really see it or know a lot about it, like just rolled their eyes at it. Like I did when I first heard that it existed. Oh, same. But it's so, it's so good, you guys. And it's so creative. I think that show really taught me in this last 10 years that like just because something is for kids doesn't mean it can't be valued. And exactly. like, yes, SpongeBob was geared towards children. But like, I do think it had such artistic integrity. Yeah. And I think what Tina Straub did, Straub, yeah. Um, the director, she, she really created something unique and used every single person in that show to their best ability and like showed them as their best performers. Like I'd seen Gavin Lee and other things, but I was blown away by his performance as Squidward. And that sounds (laughs) insane, but like, I just think the artistry of it was so beautiful and so unique. And I think it's the most unique thing that I've seen. Yeah. In a very, and probably ever. And I think we have to value things for being unique. That I, That's something I don't necessarily think that the Tony Awards always do. They value it because it's exactly what they want. Yeah. But I want to value something for it being different. Like Great Comet. I don't think you'll have, I don't think you'll have a more unique musical yeah. theater writer than Dave Malloy. 
So oh, is that's it my foot? foot. <laughs> Jane played footsie with me red as I brought up great comment and it was very sexy. <laughs> I really thought that was the table. And then I was like, this it feels like not like I was looking for the like hard edge. That's really funny. And I was like, this doesn't have a hard edge. This is a round human's foot. Yeah, that's me. That is me. Um, <laughs> they bring up the importance of non-English speaking music in American culture, um, particularly K-pop mm-hmm. and um hispanic rappers and writers um the korean boy band bts hit a number one u.s album in 2019 so that's important art history this one just says art history was was rewritten but this decade saw um a lot of museums um sort of rewriting the vernacular on black art Mm. um as it not being a like mystical thing and i took um, we talked about this in my paris course like black art was seen as a like mystical exotic thing but treating it like we would treat white art Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially that was like an upheaval that happened um the me too movement hashtag me too um the relevance of podcasts in people's lives like podcasts (laughs) certainly in our lives certainly in our lives but also like podcasts became one of the most popular forms of entertainment Mm -hmm. um and that particularly started with serial yes um, and then followed by my favorite murder and pod save groups like pod save america the last podcast on the left um and podcasts like really 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 took off this decade um netflix and the idea of streaming television shows and being able to binge happened this decade um and obviously has had a lasting impact the idea that you could enjoy something in its entirety a television show in its entirety in one day like how that changed how people were filming knowing you could watch it in one sitting versus knowing you would have to come back every week Mm -hmm. which is totally fair um i love this point the idea that theater and entertainment is no longer a spectator sport because of groups like Sleep No More yeah. and Black Mirror Bandersnatch that like you are actively participating in the art that you're watching. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting point to make, especially because now immersive theater has become more popular. Um, sequels, prequels, sequels, and spinoffs became one of the most prolific outputs of the media industry mm-hmm. um, in the last decade. Um, the idea of musicians emerging from SoundCloud mm. and being a place where musicians could get started. Um, <laughs> I got this one. Women got good and mad. <laughs> oh, in, I thought you were going to say women got good at math. And I was like, they've been good at no, math. No, women got good and mad. <laughs> they did. Um, in books, television, politics, everywhere. Um, Misty Copeland became the first female African-American principal at the American Ballet Theater in 2015. Um, and also that Misty Copeland is like the most famous ballerina in the world as a black woman. We love her. Um, um, YouTube changed the Mm -hmm. idea of being famous and what it would mean to be famous and who could and couldn't be famous. Heavily agree. Um, <laughs> this one's sad. We all live in our own bubble. <laughs> like the idea that like culture, your culture is created by the things that are immediately around you. Yeah. Which I think is totally fair. Fortnite changed the future of video games. Mm. Which is true. Um stand-up comedy became 
an immensely popular form of entertainment, um, especially now that H- once HBO started making, not, not HBO, especially when Netflix started making their own series and specials. Um, and like, it's just like really multiplied. And also that like stand up is being performed by like just a much more diverse array of people now. Yeah. Particularly people like Ali Wong and Hannah Gadsby. I watched, um, what's her name? Tiffany Haddish's stand up special last night. Did you? She just released a, a one on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I have to watch it. Um, <laughs> this one's so sad. Number two, second to last. Um, reality TV moved into the White House. Just, just sad. Um, and <laughs> the last one is called Stands Struck Back, um, which is just to say that, like, the importance of fans in influencing. Oh, stands. Stand. Yeah, the in, uh, importance of having people that stand you and, like, having a fandom base can like deeply change how your career goes and how people treat you and like ha- like how your stands treat other stands <laughs> that's true it's true because you think about brooklyn 99 almost got canceled and then fans worked so hard and then it wasn't canceled like yeah. things like that um the last thing that i want to bring up that was not mentioned in any of the articles and i think is a crime is black lives matter Oh my gosh. I think when I think about this last decade and I think about like a turning point for me in the last 10 years, it was definitely um, when Ferguson happened. And I remember being at Muhlenberg. This is when Yik Yak was a thing and people could post anonymously. And that's how like a protest at Muhlenberg started. And I remember just feeling, and I think it's important to acknowledge that I was immensely uncomfortable with talking about it. Like, yeah. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I felt really helpless. I was always worried about saying the wrong thing as a white person. And I had a lot of discomfort around the thought of admitting that, like, I had some inherent privilege. Like, yeah. because it made me feel like I was doing something wrong and that it was my fault. And I think a really big change happened in me and a lot of people I know especially my white friends in being able to acknowledge privilege. Um, and I think Black Lives Matter is a huge part of that. It is a huge part of like, I don't want to say a huge part of my journey because it's not about me, but I think that was a movement that started in the last decade that really changed how I view myself and my participation in the world that continued through the decade. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's something that has sort of faded into the background now amongst many other hashtags like hashtag me too hashtag times up that are also very important but i do think black lives matter had a really big impact in the last 10 years um especially as we acknowledge things like police brutality a lot more and you see it represented a lot more in the media yeah um, and we're just more aware than we were in the past this is a very long segment it's because it's a large topic I gave you. I was like, summarize 10 years ago. <laughs> it's really hard. And like, particularly in like our culture where I feel like, like a lot happens every day, which like, of course that's not new. Like there are billions of people on the planet. Well, we're just more aware of it now. Day. Like, uh, like 200 years ago, yeah, lots of things were happening all of the time, but you couldn't just get on the internet and find yeah. out. Now we know what's happening in Brazil right now. Yeah. You know? So you're right. It's an impossible thing. But you did a good job. Thank you. Um, do we want to end by celebrating what we are our best things of the, the last decade? Oh. We can celebrate ourselves. Sure. Yeah. I was saying this the other day to Sarah. Like, I feel like there's New Year's resolutions and, like, 
things like that. But I feel like there's also things that like you don't think about like when you get to the new year, you're like, well, I didn't do my new year's resolutions from last year or, mm-hmm. or you're trying to think of ways to improve yourself, but you could also celebrate like little things that went good in your life that you weren't expecting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. I would like to celebrate in the last 10 years, um, the completion of high school, college, and my master's degree. Such a smart lady. It's not even about being smart. I think it's hard work too. I think, yeah, I think I want to celebrate the fact that I worked really hard. Yeah. Like, and I'm still working really hard, but I think that I think that key moment, you know, the last ten years is age fourteen to twenty four. That's a huge yeah. Like you go through so many transitions in those ten years, and I, I, I want to be proud of myself that there have been many transitions, and I've 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 earned I've earned three separate degrees. Yeah. Like it's something yeah. that you earned, and I want to pat myself on the back for earning those. Um, and I also want to pat myself on the back for like moving to New York and having an apartment and like learning to sustain myself because yeah. I remember being in college, there was nothing I was more afraid of than like living outside of my house and getting a job. Like I thought I wouldn't be able to yeah, do it. And like, it is really hard. It's a constant every day, like struggle, but you, you get through it. And, um, I'm happy to be being in my third year of living independently yeah independently with roommates but like you know in a space in a space that is my own space yes you know with furniture that I bought and like things like that you know yeah stuff that you earned yourself independent of your of your guardians so that's what I want to celebrate this decade I love that for you thank you I would also like to celebrate having lived in New York for three years (laughs) celebrate um that's I feel like if you had told me that 10 years ago like 10 years ago you will have lived in New York for three years mm-hmm. I'd be like no because yeah. moving to New York just sounds so scary mm-hmm. and hard right. which it is it is um I'm still kind of working on it you know <laughs> um I'm still getting through it <laughs> yeah but I there there are definitely things that are that I'm proud of from the last decade like I feel like I've come into my own a lot more. Definitely. Um, mental health wise, I'm in a lot bit more control than I was in the past. I definitely feel more, like I feel like you have a specific, like, like getting your master's degree. But I did. I also graduated high school and I graduated college. Yeah. Which was a bit like excite exciting for me, and also like I do really love the job I have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh. Which is something that I really didn't expect from myself. Yeah. Like, I'm not that I didn't think I would enjoy working with kids, and I knew that I would like being involved in like art classes. Right. But I am appreciate, I'm just finding so much more joy in it than I thought I would. Definitely. Uh, And it's steering me in a path that I wasn't expecting in my life, but I I do really like. Um, Yeah. I also feel like the, um, verbiage around being like an aspiring actor living in new york is like well you're gonna have a job that you hate yeah like it's good to be like no like yes i want to be an actor but i also have a job that i love yeah you know that's a really good feeling yeah um and then just like little things like i was saying the other day like i like i'm way better at skincare than i was a year ago like there's so many like little accomplishments that i feel like people brush over in their lives that it's like you got so much better at this one thing and you didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. And those things could be celebrated, you know? I agree. Little thing like, 
I am so much more comfortable on public transportation now. Mm-hmm. Not even just in New York. Like, yes, I've gotten much more comfortable with the subway. But I remember being in college and my mom being like, okay, you're going to have to take um, the bus to New York and then get on a bus there and then transfer in Boston. And I was terrified yeah. of that. Like, travel by myself used to terrify me. And mm-hmm. now I'm so much more comfortable of it. Yeah. I've traveled a lot in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. I think I am a much more... I'm much more aware of the world and part of that is like yes just having seen more of it but also like I'm just much more curious I used to be really afraid of going to countries that with cultures that I didn't know a lot about I'm not speaking about Europe like yes I've mostly been to European countries but like the thought of going to like any African country yeah like India Asian country like countries with cultures that are so different really really scared me and now that's like really enticing to me Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think is just like a cool perspective shift that's happened? That is. Um, just to be less afraid. Less less fear in general, I think, is good. Yeah. And it's a good place to be. Alrighty. So I hope everyone listening has, you know, had a great decade, a great ten years. Um, I'm excited for the next ten years. Yeah. I'm excited for the roaring twenties. <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Oh my gosh, that should be a New Year's Eve theme party. It should. I'm sure it will be many people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it will be very popular. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, you can consider donating to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. And finally, if you, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com and we would be happy to include it on our show. Alrighty, so a lovely reminder that we will not be back with an episode in the next two weeks, so your next episode will be coming at you in 2020. That just, I like that it's numbers repeated. That's You um, do, because it makes me feel unsettled. Oh, are you one of those people that, like, when you're looking at the volume of a television screen and it's, like, an even number, you're like, no, go on more? Uh, or are no, you the I type of person that I am, which is when you get like to an uneven number, you go no go one more. I don't like prime numbers, um, but I'm okay. I'm okay with odd number. Okay, I'm okay with odd numbers if it's a five. Okay with fives. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I want it to be even. I'm I'm the same way. So fourteen, fifteen, and if if it's fourteen, I if fourteen or sixteen, I need, need it to be, be 15. fifteen. But if we go to seventeen, I need it to be eighteen, or the opposite, I need it to be twelve. So <laughs> this was our last episode of this decade. So we will be back with you on January eighth because the first is Wednesday. So January eighth, our next episode comes out, starting off the decade strong. I can't believe it's almost going to be a whole year in March. Oh, earlier we were talking about things we're proud of from this decade, and we, I didn't mention this podcast. I know. I to, I'm so glad we did this. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us just for, like, having the wherewithal to sit down every week and do this, you know? Like, yeah. And, like, find our time, you know? Yeah. And, like, I edit this every week. I find time for that. I talk about new topics. There's so many things now that I, I know like, so much more than I, know. I did before. I have so much small talk things I can say. Same. I know so much about so many random things that if someone brings up something to them they might be completely random i'm like no i know about that i know about that let me tell you more jane you know what i've been wondering what have you been wondering so the last time we had a turn of a decade or not the last time two times ago <gasps> oh two times ago when we turned the decade over with the 2000s the big thing that happened in going into the 2000s was y2k mm-hmm. now we were five 
So I don't remember this. I don't either. And I feel like people always reference Y2K and I don't get it. <laughs> I know this is going to come out a week after the new year, but like maybe could you refresh Y2K for me a little? Yeah. You know, explain that to me, what yeah. all that was about. Sure. Thank you. Of course. You're really going to help me feel less slow. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing I hate is feeling like I don't understand. It's not understanding something that of everyone course. else seems to understand. Well, we were just kids at the time. and We were little. Yeah, we were very little. Sarah. Yes. You oh. know what I'm you wondering? Very I'm very nervous. Why have you been No, wondering? I think you'll like this. Okay. Um, I... This isn't totally related. No, it's not related at all. <laughs> I've been wondering about the conspiracy theories behind the death of Princess Diana. Ooh. Wow. I I love me the royal family and I, I want to know all about I it. I do. I feel like we can only cover this because we're not from England. Um, yeah. I know I know some details about it, but I don't really know exactly what the people think and like how much the queen was involved. Yeah. All right. Starting off. 2020 with some conspiracy theories. We're just all going to be on edge. <laughs> this decade of fantasy we want. Trust no one, you know? Trust nobody. Honestly, that might be the 2020 move. All right, yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime. I'll talk about Princess Diana. Yes, we're slowly transitioning into a conspiracy theory podcast, and I don't hate that. <laughs> no, I don't I don't hate it either. All righty. Thank you so much for listening. This is... For the last time in 2019, you know, you know what, what I've been, been wondering. wondering.